0: The trade deadline has come and gone. The Bengals haven't made a move. So, we're going to briefly talk about what's next for those positions that the Bengals didn't address. And then, with Mike's antagonist, we'll dive into the tape takeaways on Joe Burrow, Joe Mixon, the offensive scheme, the offensive line improving. And, of course, we'll hit that defense too. You are Locked On Bengals, your daily Cincinnati Bengals podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. What up, Bengals fans, and welcome to another episode of the Locked On Bengals podcast. I'm your host, Jake Lisco, joined today by Mike Santag and as we dive in to the tape takeaways from the Bengals triumph in San Francisco. And a lot of really good things to talk about in this game. Their most dominant performance of the season by far. So it should be a lot of fun notes. We're gonna start with the trade deadline where the Bengals did not make any moves. That's a bit disappointing, but expected. For anyone who's listened to this show, you would know that that. And anyone who's followed the team, I guess, for any period of time would know that that is the expectation. So going to get into all those topics today. We appreciate you if you're a first listener making us your first listen every day. If you're an everydayer, today's episode brought to you by the GameTime app, where you can use code Locked On NFL for $20 off your first purchase of tickets. Last-minute tickets, lowest price guaranteed. And, of course, you can find Mike. And it's always game day in Cincinnati at Bengals underscore Sands on Twitter, where he's going to post a bunch of his own film work and analysis. But we always always talk about it here on Lockdown Bengals as well. And Mike, let's start with the positions the Bengals did not address at the trade deadline. I think the ones that many fans were most interested in, well, tight end for sure. I did a little poll on this recently. Tight end for sure. I think defensive line depth was something that fans were interested in as well to a lesser extent, apparently backup running back where it's Joe Mixon who played well and then not much else. Is there anything that we're seeing at those positions where you feel better about them for the rest of the year now than maybe you did a couple of weeks ago?
1: Uh, I think the backup interior defensive line in this game actually played at a pretty solid level. That's something I've been hammering that they haven't been able to do so far this year to give reader and Hill and those guys quality time and breathe it and breathers, but they got some snaps. Tupo had some pressures and yep. Carter held up for the most part in the run game, which he wasn't doing as well this year. So getting some quality minutes from those guys was important. I mean, the tight end running back though, especially the tight end. We know, I don't really feel better about it. It's Drew Sample can block and Tanner Hudson's an unknown that maybe they, they don't really trust him though. So I don't, they trust Mitch Wilcox over him. So I don't see him I and mean, maybe he gets elevated running back. Chase Brown got hurt in the past couple of weeks mm-hmm. and Travion Williams. They don't run the ball with him. So Chris Evans, they don't trust. So yeah, those guys, I feel iffy on the depth, but interior defensive line, I do think I feel better today than I did a couple of weeks ago.
0: Also on the offensive line, there was some discussion around, can you improve the offensive line at all? At the trade deadline, a lot of microscopes on Cordell Wilson, who had a rough start to the season. And we'll talk about the offensive line because they were better against San Francisco, but I think I agree with you. I did feel better about the interior defensive line against San Francisco. We'll see if that holds up. But DJ Reader, I think, probably played a career, or not a career, a season low in snap percentage against San Francisco. So they, they did finally get some of these guys some additional rest. They still don't have that disruptive three-tech type on the interior. Hard to find that at the trade deadline anyway. uh, There wasn't one of those guys traded today, just some edge guys traded as the deadline approached from Washington. So not surprised the Bengals didn't make a move. A little bit disappointed because, yeah, you're still looking for answers at tight end where I would have had Tanner Hudson on this team since training camp. I still would have him on this team. That opinion for me hasn't changed. Mitchell Wilcox might as well not exist uh, as as far as the passing game goes because Joe Burrow seems to have Mitch Wilcox blindness. I've joked about on this show in the past, but uh, we had a drop from Drew Sample this week and we had a fumble from Irv Smith in the red zone. So obviously not endearing yourselves to anyone when you make those kinds of mistakes. And then running back, I, I really wonder what they do. If they lost Joe Mixon, let's just knock on wood that that doesn't happen because Mixon played great. And and we're going to talk a little bit about Joe Mixon's game as well later on. But let's start with a conversation on Joe Burrow on tape because watching live and and watching TV copy looked great. Nearly flawless His his one mistake of the game was probably the the second or second or third. what, What was it? fourth throw of the game maybe it was one of the first few throws of the game a slant to jamar chase that he had no business throwing. but outside of that the athleticism the evasiveness the pocket movement the accuracy the timing and and i've said this a few times this week for people to listen every day remember last year when we were talking it's like hey man joe burrow played with great timing in this game that was a big thing that was obvious to me this week against san francisco
1: yeah uh i think perfectly on time just like he was when he was on his heater of last year, mm-hmm. uh, not late. He wasn't hitting the check down early. And the big thing for me was it felt like he trusted the offensive line and he wasn't early on this year when he couldn't move. There were times where it kind of felt one to two to check down type of thing. instead I've one, two, three, maybe even get to the backside four and then check it down. He feels confident in his ability to move and manage the pressure so he mm-hmm. can move and get to – you know, some in routes that might take some time over the middle of the field or anything that might be a little bit longer developing. He's not skipping any reads, but he's perfectly on time. He's not playing late either, taking sacks because of it. Yeah, I think the timing thing's huge. And ball placement might have been the best it's been. I Even on that near pick, that was a decision thing. That wasn't a, a bad yeah. ball. That was yeah. a – yeah, you made the wrong throw here. Uh, the ball placement, I mean, we look at that, it was a seam route <laughs> – and maybe that's not a great decision because they had isolation on the outside on some, you know, kind of hinge comeback type routes. But, oh, man, the one where he fits it right in front of the first level, right in in front of the second level, right in between them to Tyler Boyd, that was yeah. some of the best ball placement I've seen. And then you also had the one he threw on the bracket to chase and the touchdown to Boyd, all of these just awesome throws. And even underrated his ball placement on that out of structure play to T. Yep, where that had to be in a spot, and he put it there.
0: Yeah, it's not like T was open on the scramble drill. There was a corner on his hip, and Burrow put it where T could get it, and the corner couldn't reach on the run with Fred Werner about to obliterate him. Mm-hmm. And he did get obliterated. <laughs> uh, in, in addition to that, uh, a big point of emphasis for Burrow after the game was that he had been working on his athleticism, his explosion, this offseason, was excited to finally show that off because I think – Some of the trust in the offensive line, some of the waiting for that backside play, we saw a little bit of that against Seattle. I think I talked about a couple backside digs he hit in that game. So he started to see that a little bit before the bye. Did not see him calling his own number on the QB draw. Did not see him getting into that second down QB sneak that uh, is effective, but is a second down QB sneak. But this is something that's now back in their arsenal.
1: Yeah, the QB draw, awesome call because he's never really been afraid of calling his own number with QB draw. But obviously, that might be the last thing that comes with your calf injury. Of while well, calling my own number here, the QB sneak, also big. It's second and one too, though, so he really does just get to fall down. He doesn't really have to drive his feet and push the pile or anything. He just kind of like gets it, falls down. But he's got a first down. He gained like three.
0: That's something. true. Yeah, he
1: drove his feet, even though he didn't have to. <laughs> uh, but yeah, the QB draw was huge. And he made a guy miss on that, too. And that was planting and pushing off of his right leg because he moves to his right and then pushes off of that to go back left on a juke that makes a Funga miss in the open field. And he's able to tumble forward for the first down. So I think that's also a big part of that is it feels like there's nothing holding him back with that right leg. Um, the running was excellent the whole day hit a crossover on uh nick bosa behind the line got him out of the gap that he wanted to run through i think the athleticism was huge in this game overall i mean this was i mean yeah just look at the raw stats the advanced stats one of his best games and
0: this was definitely a statement against a great defense and and that's i think the the important qualifier that you finished with because san francisco had been a good defense this year coming into this game by far the most points, I believe. By far, I believe. Definitely the most points they allowed in a game this season. And for an offense that hadn't put together a complete game, there's still some issues. We can talk about some things that we could see improved in terms of like schematically and sequencing, stuff like that. But the entire unit was playing well. We can finish up on Burr if there are any other thoughts. We'll get to the offensive line as well. Some schematic things the Bengals did effectively against San Francisco. And Joe Mixon, bouncing back after a couple of kind of down-ish weeks where he's still playing okay, but not as well as he had in the first four. Really nice game against the 49ers. We'll hit those topics as we stay on the offense coming up next. Our partners at eBay Motors have teamed up with Locked On Fantasy Football host Vinny Iyer to bring you some of our best fantasy picks each week, all season long, whether that's for daily fantasy football or you're scouting the waiver wire for your league or you're just trying to figure out what to do in a bye week. We're going to provide you with players guaranteed to fit on your roster. So let's see who Vinny has picked out for us on this week's eBay guaranteed fit fantasy picks of the week. And the one that I like this week is Chuba Hubbard, Panthers running back. In week eight against the Texans, despite Miles Sanders being available, Hubbard was the lead back. And he didn't really get going in that matchup, but against a softer run defense in the Indianapolis Colts this week, in a front that's been deteriorating, he should find some room to get going, and you should get some better results from that Panthers power running game. You can also have a bigger impact in the passing game to deliver as an all-round fantasy sleeper. Vinny Iyer from Lockdown Fantasy Football is going to help you win your fantasy championship, and eBay Motors knows a championship team is about each player being a per- perfect fit. And, of course, the same is true for your vehicle. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you can make sure that your ride stays running smoothly. Brake kits, LED headlights, roof rack, bumpers, whatever your vehicle needs, whatever you need to keep that thing going nice, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay's guaranteed fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, you're burning rubber and not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. eBay's guaranteed fit only available to U.S. customers. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Mike, let's stay on the topic of this offense. Wrapping up on Joe Burrow first. Safe to say he's back at 100%, playing at an extremely high level against a really good defense. Any other notes that you wanted to make sure you had on Burrow that you wanted to share before we go to offensive line and and the approach to this game against the 49ers? No, I think we can move to the offensive line. All right. Well, Joe Burrow back in gear. That makes everything easier. One big part of that is how he is interacting with the offensive line. That's the timing part. And we talked about this a little bit on the show where like Orlando Browns knocked for PFF for eight or nine or whatever pressures it was, but it didn't really feel like that to me. Watching the game, felt like the offensive line of the hole was really good. We're going to shout out Cordell Volson especially, but the entire offensive line I thought played well in this game. A number of perfectly blocked run plays, and and part of that is the approach in the run game early. Saw a lot of under center early. Uh, What what were your takeaways watching this offensive line? Because a couple weeks ago, if you would have asked me about this game, I would have told you, man, I'm worried about those interior guys for San Francisco ruining the game on their own, not to even mention bosa out there but they handled it pretty well
1: yeah performance wise i thought everybody played a pretty solid game i mean Orlando brown thing is what do you chart as a pressure and you know how much does it have to affect the quarterback type of situation because it really didn't affect the quarterback but maybe you chart as pressure because he has a clean win eventually maybe two and a half seconds into the play Mm -hmm. so i've always thought that with like charting even though they're listed as objective stats it does at some point, it is subjective. Like, what is a pressure? We can look at the same play and two people might have a different response. But either way, I thought he did enough. And I think that's important is that he stayed in front. He lost slowly. He didn't lose and have any devastating quick losses like Miles Garrett seems to force or Micah Parsons or anybody yeah. uh, like that. They did a good job of staying in front of him. And what they really did a good job on was handling the twists and stunts that San Francisco is trying to throw their way as well. Uh, that was something that big question for me going into the game. I didn't even know San Francisco going to stunt that much. I thought they kind of just let those big dogs eat, but they were stunning a lot in that game. And the Bengals, I think, picked up almost all of them, at least got in front and were able to handle it a little bit.
0: And, and I don't recall there being significant issues with like free runners this week. There was maybe one stunt that led to a sack. Where uh, coming from the offenses yeah. right to middle that they end up getting who was it was that Gregory free on, on a two gap stunt can't Gregory. remember I don't know um, but <laughs> Armstead had m- a few sacks maybe Ar- Ar- Armstead did have like one clean but maybe that was Armstead that was coming around on the twist because one of them I thought was a uh loss. One of them was a kappa loss, but I thought two of them were. One of them was actually not a, a cap of one-on-one issue. Um, but by and large, what was really impressive to me about the offensive line was communication. I, I think, you know, mm-hmm. you mentioned you weren't expecting San Francisco to necessarily come in and run a bunch of games and stunts with their defensive line. And then they do because it's, it's on tape. It's on tape as a way to attack this Bengals offensive front. And now maybe teams, unless that's what they major in, and maybe that's part of it, uh, start to shy away from that a little bit because the Bengals communicated much better this week. They had much better uh, communication, or not communication, protection rules and and didn't have protection busts as far as I could tell this week. And compared to the rest of the season, that's a very encouraging step in the right direction. Yeah, yeah. I mean, was
1: this a underrated Frank Pollock revenge game against his former team? Not even coach, but player. So i yeah, yeah, this guy's ready. I felt like protection-wise, rules, communication, everything—it was all good. Um, and then the run game too. They were a really good run-blocking unit, mm-hmm. other than extremely late in the game when they're trying to just you know run three plays and get out of there.
0: Yeah, and there aren't a whole lot of teams that can really run the ball to ice o'clock in the NFL. The Bengals were actually pretty good at it last year. They were, they were really good in that spot last year. Something that maybe is a finishing touch to, to get all the way back on offense is to be able to take that four-minute, six-minute drive to kill a game, something they did numerous times last year. But we'll talk under center game a little bit, too. We saw the return of the under center game. They started almost only passing the ball when they went under center, end up running the ball from under center a lot more than passing by the end of the game. Some of that is just late-game late, late game stuff. But they they got away from it a little bit late in the game the play action stuff out of, out of under center, which seems like a tool that they really should be utilizing in their toolkit would like to see that sustained a little bit more sprinkled in outside of the scripted drives. What were your thoughts schematically with the under center part of the, the game plan? I
1: was a little bit worried heading into it, knowing that they're going to do a little more under center and thinking, well, are they just going to get under center run wide zone and not have any play action answers off of this, but, what they were running, was they ran a lot of gap stuff, and they ran some crack toss stuff in there. They weren't just trying to hammer wide zone. They ran some lead zone, which is a little bit different, where you get a fullback Drew sample in that spot and try to work it that way. Uh, And then the play-action stuff was huge. They ran a jet sweep under center, too. But, yeah, the play-action stuff was – I wasn't sure if they they were going to do it because it wasn't effective last year, but they made some type of tweak or Joe Burrow improved his ability to play uh, under center and throw the ball from under center. And it was, it worked beautifully. I mean, early on, I love the under center play action stuff. They, like you said, kind of got away from it. And when they start going under center later in the game, it was just to run the ball. And that's also why I think it became a little bit of a, they went under center trying to run that four minute and, San Francisco at that point was kind of like teeing off on the run game. I like I do- I, I the under center adjustment. That's all. It just, it, it's it, it's a way to try to get defenses to really honor the run game, especially early on. Although we'll see if these play action plays keep working so well, if defenses are going to be more willing to just kind of treat almost like their shotgun run game of like, yeah, it's going to be five yards. We'll give that up.
0: But they were hitting explosives in the run game this week. So so that does make it a little bit harder with, I think, three 10-plus-yard runs from Mixon. He also had a 20-plus-yard run. Even Joe Burrow on the draw had a 20-plus-yard run. Making teams account for Burrow as a runner obviously helps. They're not going to treat him like Lamar Jackson. They're not going to treat him like Jalen Hurts, like an option quarterback. But if they have to account for him as a runner at all, that that can be a weapon. And the way they're running play action this year, I think, is, is much more involved than what we saw from them last year even in the shotgun a couple of times before burrow could really move and, and and the pistol you're getting the the deliberate play fakes where burrow is selling the deception a little bit harder i think that their offensive line movement in some of these play fakes is a little bit more compelling to defenses and so i think that's part of what's making play action much more successful for them this year and it is something that for joe burrow he is playing better in the play action game than he's ever played in his career you go look at the numbers on that one and maybe I'll tweet them out uh, when I have time to get them together. His play action efficiency, much better this year. You got to talk about Joe Mixon a little bit as well. And, and you wanted to mention uh, a smart game planning decision as, as to how the Bengals were attacking the 49ers. We also have to get to the defense where big play is still a topic of conversation, but still some things that I think Louie Anarumo doing well that we can talk about on that side of the ball. We'll finish the show with those two topics coming up next. This episode of Lockdown Bengals is brought to you by Game Time, who knows that buying tickets should not be stressful, should not be difficult, it should be easy, it should be straightforward, you should have peace of mind. Game time checks all those boxes. So whether it's for a Bengals game, Bengals Bill, Sunday night football, or an event near you, be it music, theater, or more, Game Time has you covered with a best price guarantee. They'll match prices and refund you up to one hundred percent 110% of the difference you Find the same tickets for cheaper elsewhere. You can see the views from your seats in the app. You can get tickets in just two clicks. They'll show you the price all in, no hidden fees. That's why I love Game Time. It makes it quick, it makes it simple, gives you peace of mind. Check it out, Game Time app. Use our code. You'll get $20 off your first purchase. It's locked on NFL. $20 off your first purchase. Terms do apply. Again, create an account and redeem code locked on NFL. L O C K E D O N N F L for $20 off. Download game time today. Last minute tickets, lowest price, guaranteed. Did want to throw one last thought here on the play action stuff before we go to Mixon, just because I did look at the numbers. And Joe Burrow this year is plus 16, 17 in quarterback rating on play action passes versus non-play action passes. This is the first year of his career with the Bengals that he was actually plus on play action quarterback rating. Actually, I didn't look at his rookie year, so I'm going to look at that right now just to make sure. Yes, first year of his NFL career where his passer rating in play action is higher than his passer rating in non-play action plays. So tells you something about the way the play action game is going for the Bengals this year. Limited sample size, to be fair, 58 dropbacks, but certainly a better performance there. Let's talk Joe Mixon run game and, and how the Bengals were attacking the San Francisco defense, a defense that loves to penetrate Fly upfield with their defensive line. The Bengals took advantage of that.
1: Yeah, sorry, Joe Mixon. I mean, Joe Mixon ran hard. Joe Mixon was bursty. He was explosive. He looked fresh and healthy. It looked like this bye week rejuvenated him a ton. Uh, he looked powerful, too. I think of that Dre Greenlaw play. Uh, yeah, that burst, too. When it's not just the big plays. I mean, this was a big play. When they ran duo for that touchdown, they had Nick Bosa as the end there. And he's not fully blocked. He's kind of coming down. That's why Mixon bounces it, but he has the burst to get outside of Bosa's reach. And I think that's big because that wasn't just like some guy. That was, you know, Nick Bosa over there that's trying to get around and get to a mixed diving attempt and can't reach him. I think that was a lot to do with Mixon's burst uh in this game. He was awesome. And then the game plan as well was fantastic I think coming from you to use the run game
0: to slow down your pass rush I think a big difference in the run game this year to last year where Mixon was efficient last year but they didn't have that explosive element in the run game at all it's not like they've been an incredibly explosive team per se but Joe Mixon already at 11 carries this year for 10 plus yards which is tied for seventh in the NFL you compare that to his entire year last year of 21. It's a bit of a better pace. Only seven games into a 17 game season, so more than more than double that number to get to the to the season long pace. So the the breakaway element to Joe Mixon's game, uh, I think, is, is more present this year. He has, even has two two 15 plus yard runs this year, which doesn't rank as highly, but this is just an element that had been missing for the Bengals last year in the run game. A little bit more of that this year. Something that will help them try to keep defenses honest, especially if they do try to go play action more, run run the, the more involved fakes and and make defenders commit more to the box. Let's shift gears talk defense. There were still some big plays. Quite a few big plays, in fact. And and the reason that San Francisco was in the game because was because they were able to generate explosives, despite having some protection issues late, despite having the multiple turnovers, what's going on with the big plays? So in this game particularly, it
1: felt to me like the Bengals – Kind of changed stripes a little bit. I mean, they still were their five, two, three, four base. And, you know, you could see the tent poles of the defense, but they kind of played fast, which is what the Vikings do with all their blitzing and Brian Flores. It's what the Browns do with Jim Schwartz. And those two teams did a great job against the 49ers. So instead of kind of slow playing, two gapping, gap and a half, and trying to make stops that way, they kind of played fast and they brought some heat. They brought some more blitzes than normal. They tried to stunt a little bit more often. Um, It just felt like they wanted to get some more penetration in this game and work that way rather than just relying on being extremely sound in the run game. Uh, They got five, was it five tackles for a loss? I think that might be including sacks had the number, but yeah, so they had three tackles for a loss and two sacks. But three tackles for a loss, and those came off of blitzes from Mike Hilton. Um, mm-hmm. It and, was great in this game. Yeah, fantastic in this game. But in general, like when you're playing fast, that seems to have a positive effect against this Shanahan offense where they're running a lot of wide zone. They run everything, really. But it feels like penetration kind of kills what they want to do. And Anarumo took – what the Browns did a little bit and what the Vikings did a little bit and tried to use that on early downs because more than any team, it's important to get the 49ers off schedule when they're on schedule. It's nearly impossible to stop them. The only stop they made on third and short was the fullback dive that DJ reader got a lot of knockback on when it came to third and long, the 49ers were, I think two of five and that's, I'd live with that. One of those was a big scramble, and the other one was a draw play to Christian McCaffrey right before halftime. So for the in-structure type of they're going to drop back and just try to throw this, nothing. They didn't get anything on those third and longs. So when they were able to get to that situation, they did a great job, and it felt like they did enough chaos stuff in there that they got there a few times, and they also got the turnovers. Overall, I don't think I'm overly – Concern about the defense because of this game, but the big plays are still there. And what does concern me a bit would be when Purdy went out of structure. I think yeah. he did a ton out of structure, whether it was scrambling to his right. And this wasn't an explosive play, but scrambling to his right and throwing all the way across the field and his body to George Kittle, like nobody's there. Um, he had a bunch of big scrambles in this game. He was able to get Ty to on a scramble in this game. He made quite a few of the Bengals defenders who were free runners miss In this game, and then made a play, and that can't happen, especially with Brock Purdy. When you face quarterbacks this week and the rest of the season, who are a bit more mobile and dynamic than him, you have to be able to make a play when you're the free runner to get a stop there. I know it's going to happen once in a while that they're going to get you, but Jordan Battle got got gotten, Camp Sample got got gotten. It. This could have been a better performance if they were able to keep a hold of the quarterback, keep contained. I also felt. A lot of the time, they kind of mush-rushed, but they also didn't treat Purdy like he was Lamar Jackson yeah. or even Patrick Mahomes. They did allow Hendrickson and those guys to kind of try to, hey, went around the outside on this one. That's fine. Just go get pressure. And that's one of the few of the plays where Purdy was able to scramble away because they didn't have contain.
0: Yeah, just, I was just going to mention they didn't seem to have a priority on containing him. They, they were trying to get after him. There were a couple times that he escaped when they should have had sacks, as you, as you pointed out, but there's a different approach for Brock Purdy who maybe next time they face him, they change that approach a little bit because he did show more athleticism than I, I expected from him. He outran Sam Hubbard, which, you know, maybe not the the most difficult task in the NFL, but Hubbard had a decent shot at him and Purdy just beat him to the corner. Maybe they, next time they play San Francisco, have a little bit more of a contained plan. And, and you're going to see that be different for a team that well, maybe most of the teams they play in the near future, certainly for Buffalo, for uh for for Kansas City, both of those teams are they have a priority on Contain and also for the, the rematch against Baltimore. These are all games where Contain is going to be more of a priority. But I thought in the design running game, the Bengals did play it pretty well. The backup D-line did play better. That's something that is encouraging. We talked about that earlier in the show. And you still got Trey Hendricks in there to clean things up at the end of the game and, and finish the game, which is something that he's been really good at for this team. Anything from the corners that you saw in this game? Because some people I, I know were concerned about the corners giving up explosives, but I didn't really feel like San Francisco was picking on the cornerbacks all that much. I know you got a couple, but it didn't feel like they were you know one-on-one wins with corners.
1: Yeah, I mean, I you got a couple wins. That happens. He's a good receiver. Yeah. He'll do that. George Kittle. That wasn't against the corners. That was a little bit against linebackers and safeties, but also a little bit against you know the Bengals were disguising a lot. And when when you disguise and then drop out of it, and make all these crazy rotations. Sometimes that kind of you know you shoot yourself in the foot. And yeah. now Jermaine Pratt is in a bad spot to be in the right spot to make a play on something, and they're able to make get the ball to. Kittle, who had a huge game, um, nothing really from the corner. I thought they were pretty solid run defenders in this game, which is important. Uh, last thing I had was just a, a quick stat was Chris McCaffrey had a 29% success rate in this game. And I don't know when the last time that would have happened for him.
0: This is a team that's good running the ball. They have a good running game. Chris McCaffrey's a good player and he got his, he, he did score two touchdowns. One of them, one of the Brock party throwing across his body, rolling to the right back over the middle of the field. Probably don't want those plays. If you're Luis Anamumo, but I, I do think they had a good game plan against the run. And sometimes, you know, you, you're playing with fire a little bit, changing the picture. Like you mentioned, they get the Logan Wilson interception, uh, or, or maybe it was the, the near pick where he doesn't actually catch it, where he drops out, nearly has the interception on the BJ Hill uh, tip pass. And, and then you yep. also get Jermaine Pratt trying to tail, chase down George Kittle running up the seam, which can be pretty challenging. That, if you're that, watching on YouTube, Logan, a <laughs> guest appearance from Mike's oh, dog it. here, who's ready to be done with the show. So we can wrap up there. Volley can go do his thing with Mike. And we appreciate you listening to this episode of the Lockdown Bengals podcast. In the next one, we've got crossover Thursday coming up. James Rapine and Joe Marino have you covered, getting you prepared with our first look at Bill's Bengals. Until then, thanks for listening. day, and have a good one.